The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. Do you like sports? Because we like sports. Let's talk about sports. It's Sports Shack. Sports Shack. It's Sports Shack. And welcome to episode 318 of the Sports Yak podcast. You mean the Phil Nuxy Necro episode? His nickname was Nuxy? Yes, because he was probably the greatest knuckleball pitcher in the history of Major League Baseball. 318 career wins. That's why he gets episode 318. Pitched most of his career for the Atlanta Braves, although he wound up bouncing around a little bit uh, towards the end of his career. Actually pitched for the New York Yankees for a couple of years as well and then spent a couple of months in Toronto, pitched a little bit for Cleveland, but best known as an Atlanta Brave, pitched on some miserable Braves teams, but pitched pretty well, had an all-star season in 1969, pitched 24 years in the big leagues, Corey, never played in a World Series. Mm but he was the preeminent knuckleballer of his time. He's Phil Nuxy Necro. <laughs> Family Broadcasting Corporation well, in association with the Studio DNA Podcast Network presents Sports Yak. One host knows sports. And who's right there? The other doesn't know sports, but somehow they meet in the middle. Here's your host, Corey Mann. Get your big butt out of here! And Indiana Sports Broadcast Hall of Famer, this one will be relived, Chuck Freebie. Forever! Well, let's get to the headlines of the day. It's Wednesday, May the 12th, as we are recording this episode. Where you want to start? Well, let's start with what's being released tonight, and that is the NFL schedule. And we've already seen some trickles of it come out. Do you get excited about the NFL schedule release? I don't. I think what I would be more excited about is, all right, how many fans get to go? Well, that's true. That would be good to know. But here's what we know. We know two games on the Bears' schedule as we tape this at 9 in the morning. I think their schedule comes out tonight at 7.45 our time. Right. So here's what we know about the Bears' schedule right now. They will open on a Sunday night. The Sunday night football game with the Los Angeles Rams in Matt Stafford's debut as a Ram. So the Bears very familiar with Stafford from having played against him all those years with the Detroit Lions. They will now go into SoFi Field and take him on as a Ram. So that's West Coast. That's a West Coast game. Okay. We also know that the Bears on Thanksgiving Day will be in Detroit at Ford Field 
playing the Lions the way Thanksgiving was meant to be. I agree. The the parade, uh, little planes, trains, and automobiles the night before, Bears, Lions, Thanksgiving Day. That That is a great Thanksgiving right there. Hold and then the, when you wake up from your nap, maybe the Cowboys and somebody else. That'll be the afternoon. What you do is you watch the Bears and Lions, you drown yourself in disappointment from those two teams, <laughs> you eat your turkey, you go into your coma, you wake up and watch more football. Uh, what was I going to ask you? What is what is the most, uh, where where are the ratings at their peak as far as football weekends? Well, the playoffs. I, I'm sorry, on a regular weekend. Is it the Sunday afternoon game, the 1 o'clock, the 4 o'clock? Is it the Sunday night, the Monday night, the Thursday night? Which it's, one is the crown jewel? It's not the Monday night anymore. Okay. It's definitely not the Thursday night. I would say it's either the Sunday night or the Sunday late afternoon slot. Okay. Those are seen those are the prime viewing times. For one, you have fewer games in those time slots. Obviously Sunday night you have one game. And late Sunday afternoon you typically have three or four games, but really one of those is typically the national game and the others are just kind of regional types of of games and they typically throw for instance week 1 the big game will probably be the browns at the chiefs baker mayfield and cleveland which is a team where the arrow is moving up taking on patrick mahomes and the defending afc champion kansas city chiefs by the way week 1 Thursday night, the Super Bowl champs typically get that primetime kickoff slot, and it will be Tampa Bay playing host to Dallas in that Thursday night, week one slot, the first NFL game of the year. Okay. Uh, the Colts will open at home this year. They will be a 1 o'clock game against the Seattle Seahawks and Russell Wilson, so Carson Wentz with a tough debut to have to make against that strong Seattle squad. And the Lions will be at home against the 49ers. When do we see Stafford in a New Jersey? That's the that's the Rams against the Bears. That's, oh, okay. That's the part of the appeal of that Sunday night game. Plus, Chicago and L.A., NBC gets two of the big cities. They hope soon after the Olympics. Okay. If the Olympics are actually held in Tokyo, which there's a lot of... A lot of tumult about that right now. Okay. But that is what we're looking at so far with the NFL schedule. It's kind of a fun day. If you have Twitter and you follow along, it's kind of a fun day to see how things leak out during Mm -hmm. the day. Because usually by 745, when the whole schedule comes out, you kind of have a pretty good idea of what the marquee games are already. I saw a Bears tweet this morning of somebody going into like a, a hardware store and picking up paint, and it was uh, blue and white, and it had Bears logos on it, but that was all that the, the video was. Yeah. I, so I'm guessing it might be an unfolding campaign today. Yeah. I'm, You're not, not thrilled with that? No. No. I, I saw that, and I just kind of shrugged, wrinkled, wrinkled my nose. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, one other football note. Uh, Notre Dame receiver Jordan Johnson has uh, completed his transfer. He was the five-star recruit that a lot of people were looking forward to seeing this year. Played in the spring game, 
didn't catch a pass, didn't catch a pass in the two games he played in last year, kind of had not developed a whole lot, at least in his one year here. He has transferred to the University of Central Florida. We'll see how he fares there. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about baseball. Notre Dame baseball continues to play well. Last night, they went on the road. They played at Valparaiso, which they have not played at Valpo in a long time. But Link Jarrett decided to give Valpo a home-and-home this year. And so they made the trek over to Emory-Bauer Field, and they had problems for the first seven innings. They're in a 3 nothing hole going to the eighth, and you're sitting there thinking, man, is this team, which is ranked number four in the country, going to lose to Valpo? Because that that would not help the cause right now. They just lost two out of three over the weekend to Florida State. But the Irish erupt for seven in the eighth inning, sparked uh, primarily by a Carter Putts bases-loaded triple. And they beat Valpo by a count of 7-4. to four. So now Link Jarrett's team 26-10 and 10 on the year, appearing to be in line to host an NCAA regional. Uh, they'll get about nine days off here, and they'll get ready for, for a series with Virginia Tech to close the ACC season. I don't know if you'll know the answer to this. Were fans allowed to see that game our west of us? Uh, apparently not. I saw the attendance was listed as only 70, so I assume okay. that's... Uh, that's the friends and family plan there in Valparaiso. So hopefully the way things are supposed to play out here in uh, St. Joe County is the mask mandate would end at the end of the month. And so hopefully when the NCAA regionals come, there's not as much reason to keep people apart, but we'll see. Okay. Meanwhile, Major League Baseball. White Sox are playing very well, Corey. They win again. Last night, beating the Twins 9-3, Jose Abreu, home run, three runs scored, couple of hits. Yes, Manny Grandal hit a home run as well. But the real story for the White Sox, Corey, has been their starting pitching. Over the last six games, they've given up eight runs total, which is amazing. And the fact of the matter is, going into yesterday, the White Sox were third overall in the majors in earned run average. So the pitching has been outstanding for Tony LaRusso's ball club. The hitting has been, pardon the pun, a little bit hit and miss. But right now the White Sox have the best run differential in all of Major League Baseball, and it's one of the reasons they're leading the American League Central. You do that despite having lost Eloy Jimenez and Luis Robert in the outfield. And if I'm a White Sox fan, I'm wearing a big smile these days because I, I don't really see anybody else in the American League Central that's challenging them right now. Now, a team that could is Cleveland, and Cleveland beat the Cubs yesterday by a count of 3-2. to two. They'll play again this afternoon at Progressive Field in Cleveland. Cleveland sent their ace to the mound last night, Shane Bieber, and he pitched like an ace. He threw 117 pitches last night. He was at 100 pitches when they put him out there for the seventh inning. And both Boog Shambi and Ryan Dempster, who were doing the game on marquee, were like, can you think of any other pitcher in the American League where he's already at 100 pitches and the manager would send him out for the seventh inning? But that's what they did with Bieber, and he did a great job and struck out eight last night, which means he's had 20 consecutive games where he has struck out eight or more. 
And that's the only reason I think Cleveland can compete with the White Sox is because Cleveland has really good pitching. They don't hit a lick. I mean, last night they got home runs out of Ramirez and Hernandez, and that's how they beat the Cubs. Hernandez hit a two-run shot off Adbert Alzale. But Cleveland seems to be the one team, I think, in the American League Central that might be able to compete with the White Sox. As for the Cubs, they continue to get more and more banged up and more and more problems. We told you the other day about Jake Marisnik. He fell down in the outfield pursuing a fly ball. Apparently he has a hamstring problem. He has a history of hamstring problems. He's on the 10-day injured list. So is Ian Happ. So is Nico Horner. And then last night, Chris Bryant leaves the game in the middle of the game because he wasn't feeling well. So Strange. David Ross has to be looking up and down his order right now and saying, where does the offense come from? Cubs question for you. Uh, and I saw this player walk across my screen last night, and I went, eh, what's the report card right now on Jock Peterson? Well, he can't hit, he can't hit much worse than he has to this point of the season. He had one of the worst swings I've seen a human being take last night <laughs> to strike out against Bieber in his third at bat. But then he came back and got a base hit in the ninth inning and looked like he might be sparking the come-from-behind rally. He hit decently over the weekend, but his average is down in the 150s right now. And you might say, well, see, I told you they shouldn't get rid of Schwarber. Well, Schwarber's not hitting much better. He's hitting about a buck eighty for the Nationals. Overall, I mean, one of the big stories in baseball this year is the fact that so many guys just don't seem to be able to hit. And I think it's it's showing how pitching right now, and especially the movement that pitchers are getting on the baseball, is just making it really tough for batters. I, I can't imagine standing in and facing some of these guys. I told you during the Cubs-Dodgers series, even though the Cubs swept that series, Dodgers brought in a reliever named Blake Trinan with the bases loaded, nobody out, and he got out of the jam. And he had so much wiggle on his pitches, and you didn't know if it was going to go left, right, down, up. I can't imagine standing there with a bat trying to hit these guys. Mm. Last night, Cleveland, in the ninth inning, brings in this uh, closer, Clause. He's throwing 101. And, I mean, you're watching the ball on TV. You're watching the ball on TV, and I'm sitting there saying, man, that's fast. And that's even before they post the speed or anything. It's like, how do you hit that? So I can feel for these hitters a little bit because I can't imagine standing in there with a bat facing a guy throwing 101, and you see more and more pitchers able to do that these days. So I don't know what adjustments baseball will make to try to bring more offense to the game, but they'll likely have to do something. Bigger bats. You know, it's interesting you say that because it used to be players swung bigger bats. Remember we had a home run Baker as the dedication on the show Mm -hmm. the other day? Yeah. Home run Baker used to swing a 44-ounce bat. A lot of the bats today that the guys swing are 35, 34 ounces. Wow. Because you're trying to get velocity. Yeah. You're, you're trying to get bat speed, and it's so opposite of the way the game used to be played. Tigers nearly took another one on the chin last night. They had a 7 nothing lead against a Kansas City team that had lost eight in a row 
The Royals come all the way back and tie it, and then the Tigers wind up getting the winning run and winning 8-7 for a rare win for them. Royals have lost nine in a row, and again, those are two teams that play in the same division as the White Sox. So the benefit the White Sox have is their schedule is loaded up with games against those bad teams. So another reason why I feel good about the White Sox. And if we could play the Harry Doyle Major League Sounder, which we probably can't on this show, he would remind you of how many hits the South Bend Cubs had last night. (laughs) Did I tell you my friend John in Tennessee when I was there has never heard of the movie Major League? What? He said that out loud at a table of about eight guys, and man, talk about a screeching halt. Well, is it a is it a TV show? Is it a series? Who is this human? Is he, he a human? But he's uh, he's in his early sixties and just apparently has never seen or heard of Major League. I can't relate to this person. No. <laughs> what what does this person do? He's a he's a DJ. He's an A and R guy at a record label. He's a crafting artists okay. behind the scenes. All right. He should just stay away from me. Okay. Because if you haven't heard of the movie Major League, you have <laughs> no place in my life. So anyway, South Bend Cubs lose to Beloit last night, 3 nothing. They have lost four straight. Uh, perhaps an indictment right now of what the Cubs have in their farm system, which that needs to be fixed. NBA, uh, the Bulls, I think their playoff hopes, if they were going to get in that play-in tournament, it, they were dashed last night. They lost to the Nets 115-107. Mathematically, they're still alive, but uh, they would need a lot of good things to happen, which I don't see happening for them, considering they still have to play Brooklyn again this week, along with Milwaukee Bucks. Pacers got a triple-double last night from DeMontis Sabonis and beat Philadelphia 103-96. That helps keep them in ninth for the play-in. Again, nobody expects the Pacers to do anything in the playoffs, and it'll be interesting to see after the season if they decide to keep Nate Bjorkman or not. Minnesota beat the Pistons 119-100. Nobody cares. Big news locally. Gordon Mawson, who has done nothing but coach small schools for his 33-year career, still won 472 games as a coach, and he announced his retirement yesterday. Mawson spent the first 25 years of his career at John Glenn and built that into a school that year after year uh, was a winner in basketball. He left John Glenn, and he went to Argus for the last eight years of his career. Now, Argus is a little 1A school. They've got a great basketball tradition in the late 70s and the early 80s, they had the Odell brothers, and Argus um, won a ton of games in a row. They wound up being one of these tiny schools that went to the Final Four and really captured the imagination of everybody. Well, since that time, they hadn't done a whole lot. And then Gordon Mawson downs there, goes down there, and his first season he struggles a little bit, and then he does nothing but win after that. Uh, They won a sectional in 2019 and 2020. Didn't win the sectional last year, but went 18-6. and I actually saw them play. I was scouting New Prairie for a game of the week. And I saw them play a New Prairie team that had abundantly more talent than Argus did. And yet Gordon Mawson kept his team in the game for three and a half quarters with the strategy that he did and, and the ball movement that they had. Just a fundamentally sound, old-school coach, kind of a no-nonsense guy, but had a 
had a nice, dry sense of humor. He was easy to get along with in terms of the media. Um, didn't want a ton of attention on himself. Always wanted to talk about the kids. And so he announces his retirement yesterday. And, and uh, it's that season in basketball where coaches are moving and, and retiring and, and changes are being made. So you'll see a lot of rotation happening among coaches. And Gordon at 472 wins, one of the more successful coaches. You know, we've seen Gordon Moss in 472. Uh, Mark Johnson was in the 460s or 470s. He retired. You know, the the question mark remains, will Al Rhodes come back for another year at Penn? He's up in the 600s. But you're seeing a lot of the old school coaches kind of going by the wayside now. It's interesting to, uh, to see the developments in high school sports and how many coaches will – stick around and have those kind of 30-year careers anymore. High school softball yesterday, Mishawaka, has kind of come out of nowhere. They had to take a break because of COVID about midway through the season. That put Brian Miller's squad a little bit behind in terms of the number of conference games it was playing. So you'd look at the Northern Lakes Conference standings, and Mishawaka had no losses, but for a long time they were like 2-0 and in the conference while other teams were, while Northridge, for example, was 8-0 and at one point. So you sat there and said, oh, okay, well, you know, they're going to have to play a ton of games in a row. Eventually it's going to catch up with them. Well, it hasn't yet. They beat Northridge last night one nothing, and so the Cavemen in their first year in the Northern Lakes Conference currently have the lead in the NLC softball race. Also yesterday, a young woman by the name of Ella Gearhardt, who's having a superb season down at Winnemac. She's one of the state's home run leaders. Nobody hears about her because she's in Winnemac, which is over an hour away from South Bend. It's over an hour away from Lafayette. So it's kind of in the middle where you don't get a whole bunch of media coverage. But she had a walk-off homer yesterday for Winnemac, and they beat top-ranked Caston by a count of 3-2 to two in a dandy game. And so... Those were the big softball developments yesterday. Uh, we should tell you we should go back to Monday a little bit, too. Penn took command of the NIC race with a 9-4 win over St. Joe. The Kingsmen scored five runs in the seventh to break a 4-4 tie and win that ball game against Earl Keith's squad. So Beth Zachary's team remains undefeated in NIC play. So Penn and Mishawaka right now, uh, leading their conferences. You, I guess you could say the Princess City is the home of some pretty good softball talent. On the baseball side, a day after St. Joe clobbered, or a day after Penn clobbered St. Joe, I should say, 10 nothing to maintain a tie for the NIC lead, uh, the Kingsmen went over and played at that beautiful new facility over in Middlebury against a good Northridge team. And Andrew Brabender's Raiders prevail by a count of 5-4. to four. Northridge currently the leader in the Northern Lakes Conference. Those two teams likely to see each other in the sectional, which is just a couple of weeks away. So we're getting to that point now, Corey, where you're going to start to see teams preparing for the postseason. The conference races will end it, and we'll get into the postseason run. Okay. Also, uh, up in Michigan, Buchanan having a great year there. Now 17-2. and They swept a doubleheader from Niles yesterday. By the way, they did a great thing. The two teams combined to do a cancer awareness thing, strikeout cancer. Every strikeout in that game raised $10 to go to the American Cancer Society. So that okay. was nice. And then yesterday was a big day for track and field in the area. 
conference championships were on the line for both the Northern Lakes Conference boys and girls and the NIC girls. In the Northern Lakes Conference girls, Marin Hart is a young lady for Warsaw who is a terrific hurdler. She won the 110 high hurdles and the 300-meter low hurdles and the high jump. So she won three events in one day and helped Warsaw take the girls' title. Meanwhile, Northridge got double wins out of both Mason Floria in the sprint in the hurdles and Carter Bach shot put in discus. And so the Northridge boys win the Northern Lakes Conference track meet. And then the Penn girls, as many would have expected, uh, go on and win the NIC girls track championship. The NIC boys track championship, which should be a very compelling meet on Thursday night over at Ricefield and Elkhart. You've got Penn ranked number 13, Elkhart ranked number 17. Remember, in a dual meet last week, Elkhart was able to beat Penn. We'll see what happens on Thursday night when the conference title is at stake. Hey, good rundown, my man. So now we get to the point of the show where we play what we like to call Mariner or (laughs) Olympian. Once again, I will give you names. They will either be a player on the Seattle Mariners roster or a member of the U.S. Olympic team that will be competing, hopefully, in Tokyo. I wasn't white hot or red hot last time. I was just hot. Well, you were better than you were before. Remember, the first time we played, you only got one correct. Last time, you got four correct. Mm -hmm. Let's see how you do this time. How many am I getting? You're going to get a total of six. Six? Yes. Are you ready? I am ready. Mitch Hanniger. Olympian. He is an outfielder for the Seattle Mariners. <laughs> Mitch Hanniger. Robert Duggar. Ooh, boy. Uh, Olympian. He is a pitcher for the Seattle Mariners. <laughs> you are 0 for 2. Andrew Ragona. Man, that sounds... Mariner, it sounds like someone who'd be playing baseball. Baseball, Mariner. He is a member of the U.S. Olympic karate team. (laughs) Andrew Ragona, you're 0 for 3. Anthony Mizowitz. Has to be an Olympian. He is the third baseman for the Seattle Mariners. You're 0 for 4. Tyler Nace. That totally feels like a kid coming up through the leagues. He is a mariner. He is a member of the U.S. Olympic rowing team. You're 0 for 5. Ben Hatton. Oh, Ben Hatton. Good old Ben. He's been working hard. He wants some gold in Tokyo. He's an Olympian. He is a member of the U.S. Olympic table tennis team. (laughs) You got one right. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for playing Mariner or Olympian. Just horrible. But see, the best part of that game is the kids can play at home. They too. can. They can. And I hope they do. I and they... I encourage you to go to the Sports Yak Twitter page and post your score yes. in Mariner or Olympian and tag the Mariners and tag the U.S. <laughs> Olympic team. So they can go, what is, is going on? What, what is, is this? What is this? The hottest segment in podcast sports. It is. Not to be outdone by, overrated or underrated. I have two one-worders today that should 
generate some conversation. Are we in the world of music? We acting, are in the world sports? of music. Okay, music. Aerosmith. Aerosmith. Man, when they were hot, they were hot, and it has been a long time since. Uh, more of a nostalgic act these days, but I loved me some Aerosmith. I would say. Plus, you got to go with uh, the formula. My formula of five hits or five big albums. I would say down the middle. Down the middle. I would agree. I don't think you can say they're overrated. They were a huge part of pop culture, spurred on somewhat by SNL and Wayne's World. Well, the music videos in the 90s were uh, forced to be reckoned with. They were mini movies. Right. Janie's Got a Gun, Crazy, Amazing. Uh, what else? Crying, living on the edge. But I mean, go Walk back to this the juggernaut way. of Walk This Way, Dream On, that massive crossover in MTV land of Walk This Way with Run DMC. I don't want to miss a thing. You know, we kind of shrug at that, but that was a massive song for their career. Yeah, I say down the middle. I, I might even be swing, swung to underrated as you listed all those hits. Huge hits. Jewel. <laughs> I was never a fan. Uh, I, I I can think of one song. I know she had, I think, three. I think she was hot for a hot second. She was, she was not a literal crash and burn, but, man, she was like, she was like a firework. And Wasn't she married to a country star for, like, the length of an episode of Friends? A hot second. Yeah. yeah. I'd say overrated. Oh, I would, too. Yeah. I would, too. Overrated. In fact, I have more faith in Jewel Osco than I do in Jewel. <laughs> I, I like Jewel of the Nile with Michael Douglas and Kathleen Turner more than I like Jewel the Singer. So there you have it. That's it, huh? Overrated, underrated. This yet another tidy episode here. I got to listen to some Aerosmith this afternoon. That's a, That was a good one. A great autobiography. I think it was called... Walk This Way. Well, of course it was. It was very detailed, and they've got quite the uh, rock and roll Sodom and Gomorrah lifestyle there for a while. Oh, yeah. But oh. when they cleaned up, boy, they were hits. Oh, but they they were the very image of what you think a rock band yeah. is yeah. during their time in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. Now, Chuck, uh, social media, you're on Twitter, right? I am at 46 Sports, still looking for my blue check mark. I don't know how you can give a blue check mark to Pippi Longstockings and not give one to me. I saw that yesterday, and I was like, how, how did this happen? 2,000 possible followers on her account, local weather gal on 22, and, I mean, do they campaign for that? Do they reach out to somebody? I think the station must get it for them. Yeah? Like I think they, that's how it works. That's that's the inroad is that. You know, you're you're knocking on the door of 10,000 followers. Yeah. You're very active on the Twitter. And very yet, And yet nothing. N- not Nada. Zip. Zippo. I'm just a schmo, apparently, in the Twitter world. A schmo. You're a villain to Pippi's hero. Pippi. And Pippi was very excited. She was very excited. She's going to Michigan or she's going to Holland, Michigan today. I think I heard and, her tweet. And my, my thanks tweet. to Brett, who's trying to lead the campaign for me to get the blue check mark. Brett put something out there 
just about every day. Is there a hashtag we can follow for this campaign? I, I don't know. Uh, Chuck, check. Check, Chuck. <laughs> you can come up with something. You can maybe take the reins of this. Check, Chuck. Although I need you to take the reins of the one-hit wonder tournament. We've talked about it. We've talked about it. It's time to do something about I, it. I've got you know what? Maybe we debut that. I, I'll buy you a little more time. Maybe we debut that next week. How about Monday? Yeah. Like, I, I get my acting gear Monday. You know who I saw last night on Jimmy Kimmel? I watched it this morning. Madness, our house. Oh, Man, talk about nostalgia. There's a one-hit wonder. That, that's, that's a one and done. And they were promoting their greatest hits album. That's not an album. That's a 45. That's a that's a single. <laughs> <laughs> you can follow Chuck at 46 Sports. I'm at my name is Corey. And, of course, Sports Yak with 2Ks. Until next time, Yak fans. Ooga-looga, Nuxy. We've had some fun. Yeah, the show is done. Now we got to run. Sports Jack, Sports Jack. Sports Jack is not filmed in front of a live studio audience. We done. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get three pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.